Hey everyone, it's me, Daniel, back to talk Knicks with you. And today we're going to break down what happened during the NBA trade deadline from last Friday. And before we get into that, the Knicks had many things they needed to address before they went into this trade deadline. Noah Vonley was still on the team. He's on an expiring contract. Probably lose him for nothing. And uh, from what I've heard, many teams were interested, such as the Philadelphia 76ers. They had the Chicago Bulls second round draft pick. Maybe you could get that, load up on draft picks, make a huge trade later after you get all that. Chicago's pick is pretty early, so that's pretty valuable. Or even for that case, uh, Emmanuel Moutier, Knicks just acquired Dennis Smith Jr., so uh, he's just taking up playing time from Neil Aquina and Dennis Smith, so it doesn't make sense to keep him. Maybe trade him to a team like Phoenix. Yeah, Phoenix. They they need a point guard. And his canter, he's not happy. You can't tell me that a playoff team doesn't need him. Or even for that case... Wesley Matthews. We just acquired him. Let's add more picks. Make us look even more like geniuses for that Porzingis trade. Yeah, 3 and D guy. Ian Begley from ESPN reported that a team had contacted us interested in interested in acquiring this player's services. So, with so many things the Knicks could have done. I am so hyped to see what they did. I bet you are. Well... If you are like me, then you can go eat like the rest of us. Yeah, the Knicks didn't make any trades. But they did make some moves, so I guess we'll go over that. Perhaps the most universally praised move by the Knicks fans to critical acclaim was the waving of center Ennis Cantor. Now, before I go into ripping Ennis Cantor as a basketball player and how terrible I think he is, I must put this disclaimer out there. Ennis Cantor seems like a really nice guy. His teammates seem to love him, and what he really wants to be in New York, and that's great in a time where people question how much people want to be in New York. We know that uh, Latvian Travis Ware did not want to be here, and for Ennis to embrace being a Nick, that's a really cool thing. Also, his situation in Turkey where he is standing up to the Turkish government, even though it threatens his life, even though steroid users like Hito Turkoglu are criticizing him and trying to get him to be quiet. The fact that he's standing up for something that he believes to be injustice is a great cause, and I commend him for that. He seems like a phenomenal person, and I wish him the best on his next chapter in life. That said, he's an asinine basketball player, and I never want him to see him play for the Knicks again. Ever. <sighs> Guys, I don't even know where to begin with him. You look at the stat sheet, he's got the rebounds, he's got the double-doubles, but let's be real. If you're a center, and you can't defend, it is really hard to justify playing you out there. I can't think of a center that was this bad at defending that had an impact on a championship-level team. I could wait here. I mean, you're more than welcome to research that. I'd, I'll tell you, it's a complete waste of time. Speaking of waste of time, let's get back to talking about Ennis Cantor's Nick tenure. The first year, it seemed to be going well. People saw the numbers. He got in LeBron's face. 
But after a while, once the winning sort of stopped at that beginning of the 2017-18 season, people sort of began to realize that the Knicks were worse with Cantor on the court. Yes, he will get you those rebounds. Yes, he will get offensive rebounds. But you'll notice that teams are less and less prioritizing those offensive rebounds because the way the game is played today, where the pace is approaching record levels probably, uh, I don't know, but I think most would agree the pace is certainly up. So you got to prioritize that transition defense and getting back. Therefore, teams seem to place less of a priority on offensive rebounding. There's one example of Cantor's style of play being outdated. Reason number two that Ennis Cantor's style of play is outdated. He does not space the floor. He likes to post up and crash the paint for offensive rebounds that we just mentioned previously. Now, the problem with that, besides clearly teams not prioritizing offensive rebounding as much, is that it really affects a team's spacing. And what do I mean by that? When somebody drives to the basket, there is less space to operate with Cantor hanging out in that area. Makes it harder to finish baskets. Uh, Also, it hurts your ball movement, especially when you're trying to drive and kick, because the defenses do not have to collapse if there's already a defender in the premises of said driver going to the basket. It also hurts your ball movement because it limits how much a team can cut to the basket. See, if Cantor's already in the paint and he has his defender next to him, if a guy tries to cut to the basket, well, there's already another defender there, and with Cantor right there, the defender that is guarding Cantor doesn't have as much ground they need to cover to protect the rim so if Cantor was out by the three-point line that guy would have to shoot back in but since Cantor is in the paint that guy could just stand there and wait for that guy to cut to the basket and if the ball goes to them well he's right there to stop it so you notice this when Cornette's in that paint is a little bit more open freeing up the cutters to sort of get some better looks at the baskets that way Reason number three, Ennis Cantor's game is outdated. Teams a lot like to run this little basketball concept called the pick and roll. And boy, if there's one thing I can say about Ennis, is he has cement bricks, concrete bricks, as feet. He cannot move his feet on defense at all. And that's a bit of a problem because teams are drawing these bigs more and more on the perimeter using the pick and roll, where they'll try to get you to switch, they'll try to get you to backpedal, and Ennis Cantor cannot do that. Uh, If you recall in OKC, he's got his ankles broken by Steph Curry. Not a big deal, everybody gets it broken, but you cut to his coach in OKC, you see him read his lips, can't play Cantor. And that's part of the reason. They'll either get you to switch, or you'll have to recover back to the paint. And his canter can't do either of those things. He is one of the worst pick-and-roll defenders in basketball. And with the pick-and-roll being run at such a high rate, uh, well, 
it's not going well. And just like that, his style of play is outdated in that aspect as well. That being said, I still find myself having a soft spot in my heart for Ennis Cantor. As soon as he was waived, he gave a nice heartwarming message on social media, unlike that skinny Andrew Bynum in Dallas. Um, at the end of the day, he is a good guy, and it sounds like he is going to sign with the Boston Celtics upcoming. And uh, just from a basketball standpoint, this has not been a good week if you're a Boston Celtics fan. You have Anthony Davis's father saying he doesn't want to play in Boston. Anthony Davis saying that he does not want to sign an extension in Boston. Kyrie might be leaving. Marcus Morris today said the Celtics t as a team aren't having fun like the rest of the league. And now you might have Ennis Cantor on your basketball team. But on the bright side, Ennis Cantor will probably get his nipples hard thinking about all the playoff basketball he's going to be having in the green and white. Anyway, on to the next move. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we get to the next move, I think we need to point out the fact that it was blatantly obvious Ennis Cantor planned that nipple line right before that press conference. It's pretty obvious he planned it, the way he was snickering, the way he just said, oh, I'm sorry, afterwards. It's getting really annoying, the way he, he planned those things. I remember when Sham Sharania tweeted out about how he was exercising his player option, and then Ennis insisted that it wasn't. I knew right then, I'm like, boy, we are certainly in for some sort of sh show. And sure enough, I was right. He did this whole post, this hilarious Donald Trump impersonation, make Nick's great again. Oh, it was so funny, and I was so f pissed off after that. Uh, it was so annoying. Made us go through all of that just to see some stupid Donald Trump joke. Uh, come on, give me a break. And I'm not even bringing up the emojis after he lost his starting spot. You know what I have to say about this? You know what I have to say about all of Ennis Cantor's social media feed? So in conclusion, I will not be following Ennis on social media anymore. Anyway, what were we talking about? Oh yes, the Knicks. Okay, so the next move they make is by releasing uh, Wesley Matthews, a player they acquired basically for some salary cap relief in the Tingus Pingus trade. So the Knicks get their salary cap relief that they are looking for, and now they have two veteran players on expiring contracts, one of which being DeAndre Jordan. And now depending on uh, which news you decide to read, you can interpret that two ways. You can go to ESPN.com and you'll see this thing about how the Knicks view DeAndre Jordan as a potential teacher for Mitchell Robinson, or you can get a notification from The Athletic about the brand new Frank Isola article about how the Knicks have DeAndre Jordan on this team to recruit Kevin Durant. Either way, the way you look at it, uh, DeAndre Jordan's going to be on this team. Now as for the other guy, Wesley Matthews, it didn't really make much sense to keep him. You got rid of Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee. You have some young guys, Alonzo Trier. You have Damian Dotson. And 
Frank Nilakina with Dennis Smith here is probably going to be having some time played at the two. So at that point, you kind of have to believe that you need that spot. You want it to go to a young guy, Wesley Matthews. It doesn't really make sense to keep him around. And he clearly wanted to play for a playoff team. That's why he was bought out, unlike Cantor, who was just waved outright. Wesley Matthews probably gave some money back. He went to go sign with the Indiana Pacers, where the Pacers add to their collection of former Knicks in Doug McDermott, Kylo Quinn, and now Wesley Matthews. And I wish him the best. His tenure wasn't always the best. He didn't play very well here. But good luck to him. And I think this was the right move for both parties, really. So it all worked out in the end. Just found out a few moments ago that the Knicks have signed shooting guard John Jenkins to their roster. Now, he's about 6'4", he's going to be 28 years old, so he's not really a young guy. Uh, we'll see possibly what the Knicks are looking for. Maybe they fix things and become a playoff team uh, next year and are hoping to find a role player. Jenkins was a call-up from Westchester. He scored 44 points in uh, one of the Westchester games, and this isn't actually the first time he's been called up this season. He was called up by the Washington Wizards to a 10-day contract. I'm guessing they didn't pick that up and decide to extend them or whatever it's called uh, because now he's on a 10-day contract with the Knicks. I unfortunately haven't been able to see much of him play. I did see him play in college, though. I remember he was a shooting guard for Vanderbilt. I remember watching him in the SEC championship game against Anthony Davis, Michael Kidd Gilchrist at Kentucky, and he could really shoot the basketball. When he was selected in the NBA draft, I thought he was going to be a steal, but it looks like things haven't really worked out. But I think what you're looking for him is, can he be a role player, possibly, within the next one to two years? The thing I would look for is his shooting ability. That's what he did really well, at least when I saw him when he was coming out of college. So that'll be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. I just talked about clearing up the shooting guard depth, and here they go and add another shooting guard. So it'll be interesting to see how they go about it. The Knicks in general this season haven't been a good shooting team, though, so this kind of fills that need. The Frank Nielakina has been an inconsistent shooter. Dennis Smith Jr., even though he's got off to a hot start, he's not really a good three-point shooter. Knox has been inconsistent there. Trier has been consistent there. Hazonia has been consist inconsistent there. They don't really have shooters like that. So maybe he can open up that aspect of the game for them and give them a threat from deep, which they don't really have at the moment, unfortunately. I think it's time that we talk about something really important. Um, hey, where's that music coming from? Oh well. Anyways, Ian Begley of ESPN reported that before the trade deadline, the Orlando Magic were interested in Frank Nilekina, who you might know me as to be very fond of. Anyways, the Knicks said they weren't interested in dealing the second-year guard, and 
That makes me pretty happy. I'm a pretty big Frank fan, and I'm a believer that he'll figure it out eventually on offense. People will talk about his defense taking a step back, but I think if you look at it, he's had spurts where he's been a great defender. I think he'll get back to where it is. I'm not really worried about his defense. People will worry about his offense. I think he's still figuring it out, and I've seen flashes from him where I think, yeah, if he can just start knocking down those three-pointers he's a pretty good uh passer he'll figure it out i'm pretty confident he'll figure it out it's just a matter of a mental hump that he needs to get over and we'll see if fizdale will be able to draw that out of him now on twitter you'll see a bunch of people who are really unhappy about this and it's really upsetting because at the end of the day, it's just basketball. We don't need to get in all these arguments about opinions. We're comparing Dennis Smith to Frank, and they're on the same team. It doesn't really make sense to me why we are continuing to compare guys. Frank the other day said he's excited to play with Dennis. I'm sure Dennis is excited to play with Frank. So we'll just see how it goes. They're teammates at the end of the day, so it doesn't really matter who's better than who at this point. We just hope that they both turn out good. At the end of the day, I kind of wish the Knicks made one or two moves. Vonley, like I said at the beginning, is on an expiring contract, and even though I think he's a good player, a good fit in modern basketball, can stretch the floor, can defend on the perimeter a bit, good rebounder on the defensive end, a He's just everything you're looking for in a stretch four in today's NBA. The fact that he is expiring and he will be an unrestricted free agent. Knicks do not have any real financial advantage uh, to sign him, especially if they end up getting one of these max contract players that they hope to get. That money will start to get tight, and I don't think Von Ley will settle for a minimum at this point. Uh and it's great to see a guy turn his career around, former top 10 pick. He's finally f- sort of figured out what his role is in the NBA. Um, it's unfortunate that it doesn't look like he'll be back on this team next year. And it's kind of like with Kyle Quinn. He's a really good player, but you're about to let him walk for nothing. Same goes for Moody. Uh, he's a restricted free agent, but now that they got Dennis Smith Jr., to add on to Frank Nilakina, I don't really see a spot for him. It feels like any reps he takes at this point is a waste. He's just really, anything he does, Dennis Smith just sort of does better, brings to the table a bit better. He's a good passer. Smith's a good passer. He can get to the basket, but Smith is arguably better at finishing when he gets to the basket, and he can get to the basket just as easy. So Moody AI would have moved. I'm not sure what the markets were for Cantor or Wesley Matthews. Cantor, clearly, it wasn't much of a market. I don't think his fit is a modern fit in today's NBA. So I think that already limited things a bit. And... Clearly, when he went to the media about losing his starting spot and not being able to play, it became obvious there was tension between him and the Knicks. So most teams probably anticipated that the Knicks were going to 
buy him out or release him if he wasn't traded by the deadline. So I doubt they got any decent offers considering it was most likely he was going to be waived. Matthews wanted to play for a playoff team and the Knicks just bought him out. I think most teams knew that they didn't really have any intentions on keeping him. So again, it's hard to make a good trade when teams sort of have this feeling already that you don't want to keep them and you're likely to buy them out if they don't uh, get traded. So teams aren't going to bid against themselves. Now, thank you all for listening. That was my thoughts on the big moves that the Knicks made. If you guys follow me on Twitter, I'd love to discuss this more with you. Want to know what your thoughts are. Saw DSJ play a little bit after the deadline. Looks pretty good. The team hasn't looked good, but he's at least looked good. Um, So I want to know your thoughts. Do these moves make us playoff contenders, or uh, are you not so optimistic? Thank you for listening, and I am so happy once again to be around such great people, and I hope you all have a great day. Still working on the ending, sorry.